when I go over that with my children, I always tell them, I said, you just remember the acronym HOME. You remember HOME, you remember the faith, uh, our, um, our statement of faith uh, here at Striving. Just remember HOME. Remember that word. Okay. And so that has helped me many times as well. But... Um, Let me put on my reading glasses here. I don't have my prescription glasses because I won't go into that story, but I'll put on these glasses instead. Uh, going to um, read the scripture, pray, and after I pray, then you can be seated, please. And I'm coming out of the um, English Standard Version. Then Esther called for Hatok, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hatok went out to Mordecai in an open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay in the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg for his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hatok went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hatok and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside of the inner court without being called there is but one law, to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in to the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Father, we come to you, Lord God, as humble as we know how. We thank you, O Heavenly Father, for the breath of life. We thank you, O Heavenly Father, Lord God, 
for yet another day. Lord, we just pray, Lord God, that, Lord God, the words, O Heavenly Father, of your mighty word, O Heavenly Father, will, Lord, seep into us, Lord God, and bring us clearer understanding that it may apply, Lord God, to our daily living. Lord God, I pray, O Heavenly Father, that everything in me, Lord God, subsides, O Heavenly Father, and that, Lord God, you will have your way, O Heavenly Father, that I will decrease, O Heavenly Father, that you will increase, Lord God, that your word will come forth, Lord God, boldly, Lord God, and plainly and simple, Lord God, that your people, Lord God, may understand, Lord God, what you will have for them, Lord God. I pray, O Heavenly Father, that you will get the glory, O Heavenly Father, and, Lord God, that your people, Lord God, will be better off, O Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, I give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. First, I give an honor to Jesus, who's head of my life, and to the man of God um, who's over this house, Pastor Bolden. I thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I thank um, you for being here um, on this morning. I thank my, uh, my family. Uh, I thank my, my children, um, who's um, always encouraging me. And, um, and I especially thank my wife, who um, puts up with me and encourages me the most. Um, this has been a very difficult week um, for me, and especially for her. Um, I haven't been feeling my best. It seems like that, I don't know, um, when God has a great work for you to do, it seems like, you know, you, you get challenged, you know, um, in many ways. And so um, I've been sick in my body and then um, uh, had different appointments. And, but my wife, she was at my side as I went um, to Pensacola. And then um, this weekend, I couldn't be here at the church cleanup because I had an appointment um, all night Friday and most of all day Saturday. I had a, um, uh, a sleep study. But, um, and so that left my wife um, with the kids. And I know that. You know, she had to deal with everything on, on her own, but um, she, you know, she did, you know, what, what she had to do. And, um, and um, I just thank and praise God for her. Uh, and, um, but um, God, um, in those times, um, spoke with me. And um, in that time, I had an opportunity to, to um, do what we're going to talk about, what um, Esther did. Um, Many, many times, you know, when, when God is dealing with you, what do you do? You, as Christians, we know, um, one of the things, one of the tools that God has given us is um, the tool of fast. And um, we, um, we set aside some time where we um, retreat from some of the things that we would normally do, where we would just fast and, and not do those things that we routinely do. And um, we would not eat, you know, some of the things that we eat and not drink some of the things that we, you know, uh, not drink and, and, and what have you. And so um, when people see you, they may see your glory, but they don't know your story. They don't know what you're going through. They don't know how you feel. You may look radiant and you smile and, and you may glisten, and, and, but they don't know that your body may be whacking on the inside. They don't know the pains that you go through, and you don't have to 
say it to them. Because when you fast and when you pray, you don't have to tell people that, okay? You just go to God in prayer. And when people have a spirit of discernment, many times they can pick it up and they just pray with you. And if they don't, oh well, you have God. And this too shall pass. And if not, then guess what God says? My grace, what? Is sufficient. And so we go to the story of Esther. And we look here, we see that there is somewhat of a dilemma here. Okay? We see that, um, that the Jews are about to be annihilated. And so Mordecai has gone to the queen to get help. And Esther has said in so many words, uh, I'm not going before the king. He has not summoned me. And everybody knows what the rules are. You're asking me to go before the king? And so you ask yourself, what just happened? Now, we know the story of Esther. Many of us know the story of Esther. But um, for those of you out there, um, let's just try and go along with this. Let's dissect this. What just happened? Okay, so um, what's wrong with this? He asked for help. The Jews are about to be annihilated. Esther's a Jew, okay? So uh, let's, let's take this back to see how Esther got to be where she is, okay? She is the queen, okay? And Mordecai asked her to do this. How did Esther get to be queen? So if we go back here, we look back in Esther. Go back here to Esther chapter 1, verse 10. And you see the, uh, the title is uh, Enter into God's Full Promise for Your Life. So, so Esther here, and, and we're coming from the vein still because this is the year of great stewardship, right? And so um, Esther, at this moment, not realizing, you know, what her true role is, okay? So we go back to um, chapter 1. Verse 10, and it reads, So the king took his... Back to... Okay, here we go. Technology. 
chapter 1, verse 10. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was married with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Vista, Harbona, Victa, Abaxa, Zetar, Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Osiris, and in some Bibles, um, Xerxes, to bring King Vashti before the king, Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs. At this, king, um, at this, the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure towards who was versed the law of judgment, the men next to him. So I'm not going to read all that, but what happened was the king was angry. So the queen refused to come before the king. And so what he did was he went to his boys, okay, there were seven of them, and they said, hey, king, the queen, she just dished you in front of everybody, okay? We can't let that happen because if she did that in front of everybody, then all the other noble women they're going to get out of control, and they're going to figure that they can do that also. And if they do that, then we're going to have a problem here. So you need to handle this, okay? And so, the king, so then they said, what we need to do is, we need to get rid of her, okay? We need to show these ladies, now ladies, okay, this is back in the time now, all right? Okay, so this is... Not now, but this is then, all right? Okay, so go with it, all right? So he said, they said, we need to handle this. Let's nip this in the bud right now. She needs to go, okay? Get rid of her. So the king got rid of Ashtai. He said, from here on out, she would not come before me no longer. She would no longer wear the crown. So guess what? Ashtai was no longer queen. And so when she, when, when she was no longer queen, then he needed another queen. And so then, without reading everything, they want to have a big beauty contest. One of the young men said, hey, okay, time passed. We need to get the king someone else. So let's send out a royal decree, okay, through all the lands, okay, all the seven provinces, because, you know, um, um, the, the king, he had, had lands all the way from, from um, India all the way over to Kush or Ethiopia. Some Bibles call it Kush, some Bibles call it Ethiopia. In a way, from Africa all the way over to um, India, okay? And let's bring all the versions over, okay, the prettiest, and let's, you know, give them cosmetics. Oh, they had cosmetics back then, too. Let's beautify them and everything, and let's 
bring the fairest of the land. A big beauty comes. I mean, this was like, okay, so they had Miss Persia then, okay? Miss Persia, Miss Meads, okay? Like we got Miss America, Miss Universe. That's what they had. That's what it was, okay? That's all it was, okay? And then what he was going to do, he was going to crown the fairest of the land and crown her Miss Persia. And Miss Persia was become his wife, the queen, okay? And so then, therefore, there was a young lady, Hadassah was her, um, was her Jewish name, okay? But, you know, the Jewish people, they had to take on a, a Persian name, okay? And her Persian name was Esther, okay? Means star. So Esther, she was very fair, fair to look at. The Bible even describes her It was a beautiful figure, nice to look at. Esther was nice, all right? That's what the Bible said now, okay? All right? Now, you can read it for yourself. I'm not going to bore you with all the, the reading and everything, but read it for yourself and read it in the different translations. Esther looked nice, okay? And so Esther was chosen. That's how Esther was chosen. So God graced her with good looks. Okay? So now, that's how Esther came into being. So when, she, so when she got there, Mordecai told her this. Okay? Do not let them know your heritage that you're a Jew. Now, even back up before then, how did, uh, was Mordecai Esther's father? No, Mordecai... He was her father. Roll, yes, he was her father. Okay, he adopted her. He was her father. Esther was an orphan. Esther, mother and father, died. Mordecai was her older cousin, and so he adopted her as his own. And so what I want to tie into this is that in order for us to enter into God's full promise, there's a process, okay? There is a process. See, first of all, when God gives us talent, you know, as a servant, you know, we have talents, and God gives us positions and, and what have you, and he may start us off in one way or give us his talent, and we start off, you know, whatever, and we think that this may be it, but it may not be the end. It may just be the start, maybe you know, the secondary, third, may not be the full potential of who you are, okay? So Esther may have thought, you know, when she grew up, oh, you know, I'm an orphan, okay? And so she could have had a self-esteem, you know, issue. Mordecai adopted her. God gave her beauty. She felt good about herself. Oh, now she is picked among all, you know, as, you know, to be maybe, you know, queen. She wasn't the third runner-up. She wasn't the second runner-up. She wasn't the first runner-up. All different stages. She was selected as queen. Okay? And so once Esther was selected as queen, perhaps... Esther, perhaps, at that time, just for a fleeting moment, maybe she thought, oh, I have arrived. Okay. 
And so in thinking that she has arrived, and here come Mordecai kind of upsetting things, asking her to go before the king. Wait a minute. I am where I'm supposed to be, and now you want me to go before the king? Okay. And it may cost me my life. Dear ones, how many of you know that sometimes, some point in your life, that when God has given you something or placed you someplace, that there's going to come a point in your life that you will be challenged, that you will be called to go and to give up something to show your faith in God. So, hmm, Esther, what was Esther, th what was Esther thinking about? So, perhaps Esther thought that being queen was just it. Just a thought. Perhaps that was it. Perhaps when you landed that position as supervisor, you thought, hey, I'm here. I'm the supervisor. I'm married. I got this house, the car that I want, you know, this picket fence, white picket fence. Hey, I have arrived, okay? Here I am. Nobody can touch me, okay? And so you are fat, dumb, and happy, okay? So to speak, okay? All right? Not physically fat, dumb, and happy, okay? But, you know, all right? But you're comfortable. That's all I'm trying to say. You're comfortable. And so in your comfort, there are people around you who may need help and assistance. But because you're so comfortable and you're good at what you're doing, you may not see that. Here in Striving, we are so blessed. We've got people, you know, we got people in the military, we got doctors, we got nurses, we got lawyers, we got people who are, you know, in high positions. We, we've got people in just about every facet of life here. And then we've got people who are struggling, who are trying to get up there. Okay, we've got youth who are coming up, you know, they're trying to get there, but we have people who are older who are still trying to get up there, going to school at an older age and, you know, trying to get up there. What are we doing to try to help others? But then some of us, we're saying, I don't know about that person because I see this person, hmm, um, that person may not be the right person because guess what? If they don't do well, then that's going to look bad for me. I'm not going to step out there okay, and make a sacrifice because I don't know, okay? I don't know. So, here we go. Ergo, Esther, you don't want to step out there. You don't want to step out of your comfort zone because Esther fear death, but then you fear that it's going to cost you maybe your career or you fear that it's going to cost you your name. But what about God? What does God say about you? Do you know that you didn't get yourself there, that God brought you there? And if God brought you there, what is for you? It's for you that God has placed you there and that you don't get to say who is going to be elevated or not. 
You cannot take a safe space and say, oh, I'll take this person and that person. Oh, not that one and not that. No. Even the word says, let the wheat and the tear grow together, and I'll do the separating. Why would you try and judge when you cannot judge? Only God can judge. If people come to you for help, why not help? And when I say help, I mean follow through. You cannot say that you're helping people when you say, oh, well, here, do this, do this, do this, and then don't even think about them. You don't call them, you don't follow through, you don't do anything. You're not helping. Only thing you're doing is filling a square, filling a block, checking it. There you go. I did mine. But we know, and God knows. Well, God knows. We don't know, but God knows. You have not done due diligence. God has elevated you, but now you don't want to take a chance. But God is in the business of taking chances. And guess what? If God can do it for you, he wants us. And see, this is the season of what? Great what? Great what? Great stewardship. In order to be a steward. You don't own it. God owns it. You don't own your talent. God gave it to you. You didn't manufacture it. God gave it to you. And he doesn't want you to bury it. He wants you to get out there and duplicate it. Invest it. And when you invest, okay, you may lose some. Okay? But guess what? You invest, you pray, and you rely on God to, to get the increase. You don't worry about that. And then here in the church, same thing. Oh, we have so many things to do in the church. In the church, outside the church, people are sitting on their talents. Because we think that the thing that we're doing we have arrived. So, we have Esther here at this particular place, and she has told Mordecai in so many words, no. She has told him no. So we know her background, and we know that Esther has said no. She said no for a particular reason. Maybe Esther said no because Esther was in her comfort zone. We talked about her being in her comfort zone. Okay? Maybe she said no because uh, she was in a position where she just thought that, you know, she was, you know, she had arrived. Okay? Maybe she said no because she was afraid. And we are, we do get in, in positions where we are afraid, right? We do get afraid sometimes, okay? We do, we do, we do, we do. But God did not give us what? But he gave us what? 
See, you can say it, you can say it, but do you believe it? You have to believe it. He gave us the power of love. Love overcomes what? It overcomes fear. The opposite of fear is faith. And so when fear comes over you, and fear will come, we're human. We're going to be afraid sometimes. Okay, so there's nothing wrong about being afraid, but you can't live in fear. You can't live in fear. You have got to apply faith. And then when you apply faith, you will overcome fear. You put it in God's hand. God has given us the word. You live by his word. Iron sharpens iron. You're around your fellow Christians. You hear the word in song. You read the word. You meditate on the word. That word is in you. You regurgitate the word. You apply the word. There comes your faith. You have the word in you. Use it. And so therefore, Esther may have been afraid, like many of us are. Oh, but it gets better. It gets better. So after this, let's go back to our original verse, and let's go back to Esther 4 and see what Mordecai says. Because Mordecai has an answer for Esther. Sometimes you have to, you have to say something to, to just remind people or to just jolt them back into reality. Okay, and so, so when they told Mordecai what Esther says, then Mordecai, in verse 13, in the English Standard Version, Mordecai said, he told them, he said, you tell Esther this. He said, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them, to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. 
And if I perish, I perish. Then Mordecai went away and did everything Esther had ordered him. I remember a song when I was a little kid, and I didn't understand it back in the day, but my mother used to sing this. If I perish, let me perish. Lord, I'm going to see the king. I don't know if you guys ever heard that song, but we used to sing that song all the time in church. And I didn't understand what they were talking about. But now I know. Because sometimes you're going to be faced with adversity. And you have to tell yourself sometimes. If I perish, let me perish. But I'm going to see the king. I'm going through this adversity, whatever that adversity may be. You may have to do something that God has called you to do that you don't want to do. It may make you uncomfortable, but you got to do it. You got to do it and you have to do it in faith. Like Esther said, when Mordecai said something to Esther, just something in Esther, something just went through her spirit. Esther knew exactly what to do. This is one of two, two books in the Bible that don't even mention God. But one author says God's fingerprint is all through it, his thumbprint. I say his ethos is all through it. God's character is all through Esther. The way God just works through the book of Esther. Even though he's not mentioned, we know that God is behind the scenes just orchestrating everything in the book of Esther. Esther just knew exactly what to do. We know that Esther is a Jew, and we know that the Jews, the chosen people of God, knew exactly what to do. When he told Esther that, guess what Esther did? Esther said, oh my God, let me go and fast. She knew exactly what to do. Esther fasted. And I know she fasted and she prayed. And I know she fasted and she prayed to the great God. The only great God I am. She asked God to give her the strength and the courage, because guess what? She lacked courage. And that's what happens sometimes. We don't have the courage to go through. We lack courage sometimes to do the task at hand. Admit it, we don't have the courage all the time. Sometimes we are weak. We want to do it, but we're just weak. And we have to pray and ask God for the courage and the strength to get through. And so Esther fasted. And that's what we have to do, dear heart. We have to go before God and fast and pray. We have to seek the face of God, go before him. And say, God, I don't know what to do. Give me direction. Show me. Give me the courage and the strength, the understanding. Be with me. Stand with me, God. As I go through this. And so Esther did this. And she required her people to do it. She asked Mordecai to do it. And Mordecai did it. And that was the answer that Mordecai wanted to hear. And so as the story goes, Esther went before the king. She went before the king. And in the background, Haman had planned to destroy the Jews. 
and he had already fixed the gallows. And you know how the enemy is. The enemy, the enemy sets traps for us. But guess what? We have a great God. He can turn things around. The very traps that the enemy sets for us. Guess what? God will use it and turn it around. Turn it around, turn it around. Oh, Haman. Haman was a man that was full of just evil and, and, and just, just hated Mordecai. And not only Mordecai, he couldn't get to Mordecai. He wanted just to annihilate the, who found out who Mordecai was, a Jew. He wasn't satisfied just taking Mordecai's life. He wanted to take all the Jews. And so he went to his wife, and his wife said, well, hey, just get rid of him, you know. They said, okay, well, let's hang these, put these gallows up, and, and we're just going to, we're, we're going to hang Mordecai. Okay, we're going to do that. And so Esther went before the king and said, and the king, he held out his scepter. He put a hand on it, and he called her forth. What do you want, Esther? She said, I'll give it to you, whatever, even half of the kingdom. And Esther said, she paused. I want to throw a feast for you in Haman. And she did. She threw a feast. Now Esther could have came right out and said, hey, Haman is doing this and blah, 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 blah. But no, God did not give her those instructions to do. Because see, God had a plan. Okay. And so he had that feast. Had the feast. Haman. And then that night, the king was troubled. And then when he was troubled, he had a dream. He just couldn't rest. And so he needed to be read to. And they read him some chronicles. And they read him the story about the man who saved his life. And who was this man that saved my life? Mordecai. He said, well, what did I do with this man? I didn't do anything. They, you did nothing for him. And he said, well, I need to do something for him. And so Haman, at the moment, he was coming to tell the king that he wanted Mordecai killed. And so Mordecai, Haman was right at the door. And he said, who's out there? Haman is there. And so he said, tell me to come in. He said, what must I do for a man who was, and he gave accolades and blah, 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 and Haman's so pompous and everything. You can read it for yourself. Okay. So pompous. I mean, you're talking about conceited? I mean, this man was into himself. And so Haman thought, oh, he must be talking about me. He said, well, I will put a crown on his head and give him a robe that you wore and ride him on the horse and blah, 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 and let him be the second in command and all this stuff like this. And he said, okay, do it so. Do this for Mordecai. <gasps> Haman like, Mordecai? Well, what can he say? That was the king's command. He dare not talk back to the king because this king had a temper, okay? I mean, that's a story all into itself, okay? That's probably why Esther was so scared, because this king, Xerxes, oh my God, temperamental, okay? But anyway, so Haman goes out, okay, takes 
you know, Mordecai parades him around, put the robe on and everything. Oh, my God. Then Haman goes to his wife and says, oh, the king has made Mordecai, you know, put all this honor on him. And she said, oh, my God. This is, this is not farewell for you. Okay? And before Haman couldn't even think of anything, the eunuchs had already came and got him. It was time for the second feast because Esther had already went and asked for a second feast. Okay? Because she had went before the king again and asked for, you know, because he had asked, well, Esther, what do you want? Okay? Before that, asked what he wanted, and she said a second feast. And so it was time for the second feast. So Haman didn't have time. He did not have time to plot a plan, to get away or to run or anything. It was time for him to come in right now. They went and grabbed Haman. He came in, and, she, and he said, well, okay, what do you want? I mean, he just loved Esther. So, I mean, she just sparkled. She batted them long eyelashes. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he just gave Esther anything. That girl was just, whoo, Esther, wow. He said, girl, what do you want? I'll give you anything. What you want? Esther said, Esther said, king, she said, there's a plot to kill me and my people. She said, if it were just to sell us into slavery, she said, I can live with that. She said, but the plan is to just annihilate us, to kill us. And she said, if you can just help us, she said, he said, kill you? Who's, now, you know he loved us. Kill my queen? Who, who dare gonna kill my queen? Kill my lovely Esther? I mean, that's all I can, Esther? Kill Esther? Now, if he would have said the Jews and without Esther, he probably would have, you know, talked about it for a while, but Esther? Kill my radiant star? Oh, no. Oh, who is going to kill Esther? She said that wicked Haman. Haman like, oh! The king looked at Haman. He was so mad he could. King stormed out. He stormed out, and Haman was just like, Haman just turned. What? Haman went to Esther and was pleading for his life, and he was pleading for his life, but he was grabbing on Esther. The king stepped back in, and he's like, he said, and now you're trying to, he thought, he thought Haman was trying to take advantage of Esther. He said, how dare you, even in my own household, now you're trying to, first you're trying to kill her, now you're trying to take advantage of her, right here in the palace? Oh, my God. And the eunuch said, well, hey. Haman has already built gallows, you know, for, uh, for Mordecai. The king said, oh, say no more. He said, hang him there. You see how God turned this thing around? The very thing that he wanted to do against the people of God, against the person of God, guess what God did? He turned it around. And dear ones, that's what God does for his people. When, they, when your enemies come at you, and you go before God. God will turn those things around. And the things that your enemies do towards you, God will do it to them. The gallows that Haman built for Mordecai, he hung upon. The ditch that your enemies dig for you, guess what? They'll fall into it. 
That's what kind of God that we serve. All you have to do is trust in him, have faith in him, have the courage, and to stand. When you can do nothing else, stand. Gird yourself up. Put on the helmet of salvation. Yes. The belt of truth. Charge your feet with the preparation of peace. The sword of the spirit. Yes. Yes. Put on the whole armor of God. Yes. Go forth and allow God to fight your battle. The battle. The battle is not yours. All you have to, God is only asking you to have faith in him. Trust in the Lord. And Esther, wow, what Esther turned out to be, she thought that her promise, excuse me for God's full promise for your life, she thought that her promise was queen, but she was a Christ-like. She was a savior for her people. That's what her full promise was. Esther was a savior for her people. She saved her people from annihilation. And so much more, oh my God, it's even better. Even though the edict was written and they could not overturn the edict, guess what God did? God made a better edict that the Jews could defend themselves and they went and annihilated their enemies. They annihilated their enemies so much so that their enemies, many of the people, they became Jews themselves. And so that is a type of salvation, whereas people are converted and they become what? Saved, come into the church. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to go out. And he wants us to go out and to 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 go out and evangelize and go out to, to get people to come in and to be saved. Salvation, that is the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal of being a steward. It's for us to go out and to, to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's what your servitude will do. It would allow people to see your actions, your works. They see it in you, and people want to do, what must I do to be saved? Amen. Salvation. Not only did she, was she a savior to the Jews, but they brought people in who wanted to be like the Jews because Mordecai became very powerful. Very powerful. The second in command. And they didn't want to upset Mordecai. And people, they became, some of them, a lot of them, they became like the Jews. They adopted a lot of their customs, and they became like the Jews. And so this is salvation. When we look at it in the sense of the church, what we're supposed to do, to go out, to go out, and to, to, to speak the word. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You can go out and speak the word. 
but more importantly, live it. Because people are not, they're not looking at or hearing a lot of times what you say. They're looking at what you do. Your actions carry more weight than your words. Because if you go out there and you say things and then people see you doing things that are contrary to what you say, then you are double-minded. And if you are double-minded, then you are what? Unstable. And no one wants to follow anybody who's unstable. And so I challenge you to make your walk follow your talk. Make sure that when you go out and profess Jesus as Lord, that you have the walk to follow that talk so that you do not bring shame among to the body of Christ because we don't want to give the Holy Spirit a black eye. We don't want people to look dimly on God. Ensure that when you look at this and when you look at the promise, entering into God's promise for your life, make sure it is the full promise. Make sure that you're not just at a sub-promise. It's the full promise. With your eyes closed.